God, we are so grateful for, um, we're grateful for your word. Um, thank you for our time together, and we just pray that you would just continue to, um, God, to teach us, teach us new things about you, to grow our understanding of, of who you are so that we might live more correctly in line with um, God, with your word and your plan for our life, and help us to take the things that we talk about and uh, just to walk in greater obedience in light of that. And uh, so thank you. We pray that you would move and work in our time, that above everything else, that it would be, God, that it would be your voice that we hear. Uh, we want to hear from you, and, and God, we want to be changed by you. And so we look to you to do that in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, hopefully you got a handout when you came in. If you didn't, there's some out in the foyer there. But um, I, I don't know, as I was preparing this week for this and uh, looking over things, I don't know whether I don't know so I don't know whether it's it's one of two things or a combination I don't know either if y'all are really hard-headed or if I'm really hard-headed or there's a combination of the two um, because I, I'm just being honest I'm not sure what's going on but like everything that we've talked about on Sunday mornings for the past two weeks and the conversation we're going to have tonight it, it just goes hand in hand and uh, clearly, God is trying to, he's trying to teach us something. And, uh, and so whenever God orchestrates these things and puts these things together, like we want to take special note and pay, pay attention. Like in scripture, where, where you'll see where God repeats himself, it's like, hey, he's really trying to drive something home. And, uh, and so what we're going to be talking about tonight has been decided for months. And, uh, and, and what we talked about the past couple Sundays has been decided for months, and we really didn't know how the two would go together. But it's clear that God wants us to really to, to capture something and to get what he's trying to tell us. And so um, we need to pay special attention. Like I said, maybe that's you, maybe that's me, maybe, maybe that's all of us. But we're going to continue um, this series as we've just, just been working through um, dumb things that, you know, that sound, they sound smart. And I want to I want to emphasize something before we begin our time together. I've mentioned this uh, I think the last time that I taught in this series um, because I think it's important. This is not an attack on people who may have bought into or held on to these beliefs in some way, shape, or form. Because that that could be you know that could be, feel like oh well you know how did I how did I fall fall into believing you know to believing these things and so. I don't want you to think that like, hey, you know, you're, you're less than or your faith is weak or, you know, maybe you've been challenged through this. But there's, there's a lot of smart, um, good, sincere, godly Christians who have bought into some of the spiritual urban legends that we've been talking about. And like I said, maybe, you know, maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, this has been kind of challenging because some of the things that we've been discussing, like I've, I've said those things, I've I believe those things. I've told other people those things. And then, you know, we take a look at Scripture and we're like, well, hold on. Like, maybe, maybe I've been believing wrong all this, all this time. And maybe we've, you know, just depends. Like, we learn these things from a lot of different places. But what we want to do is we want to look to Scripture and see what Scripture has to say about the things that we're talking about. But these, I guess, before we begin our time, I guess what I want to say is that these conversations are important because there's, there's danger whenever we 
whenever we hold on to these spiritual urban legends. If, if we base our understanding of who God is in the life he wants us to live based on a, a spiritual urban legend as opposed to what scripture teaches, then we'll get ourselves in all sorts of trouble and our theology will get all tangled up. And so it's important that we, we base the things that we know to be true about God based on scripture, not on ideas about what you know, people may have, have come up with or like good intentions approaching scripture. And, you know, just like the passage, uh, the spiritual urban, urban legend last week and, and like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And really that stems out of a desire to, to take Romans eight twenty eight and apply it to, to our lives. But we got to be very, very careful. And so good intentions, but a lot of times we can, we can get off track. And tonight, um, tonight's going to be no different. It is a widely held belief that can't stand up to Scripture. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to take a look at God's Word and make sure that we understand what God's Word has to say about it. Because um, this is not only a widely held belief for Christians, but this is a widely held belief for non-Christians, which got me to thinking, what do you think... Now, this is just, I didn't do any research, and there's really no way to really know the answer to this, but I feel pretty confident that I can answer this correctly. But it's just my opinion. What would you say the most commonly quoted Bible verse is? What's, what's the most quoted Bible verse? And you can say it out loud. What's that? Well, you can't say it all at once, though, because that's going to mess me up. What is it? I heard John 3.16. What else? What's that? Yeah, so, for I can do all things through Christ. I mean, like a lot of people will throw that one out. For God so loved the world. What? Anything else? Judge not. And I would say that is the most quoted Bible verse of all time and the reason why I believe that is because see John 3 16 Christians quote that Philippians 4 13 Christian quote that judge not everybody quotes that right everybody I mean like everybody knows that whether you're a Christian whether you're not a Christian and, and it's taken completely out of context but everybody knows that verse everybody and so especially when, when, when we call something sin or point out sin in somebody else's life, it's like, hold on, judge not. Don't, don't judge me. Only God can judge me, all right? Some way, shape, or form, we're like, hey, don't judge me. Judge not. Christians aren't supposed to, Christians aren't supposed to judge. So here's our spiritual urban legend number six. Christians shouldn't judge. Christians shouldn't judge. And so think about all the things that we've talked about. A lot of the things that we talked about, they actually sound good. And, and at first glance, like if you just take a glance at it, you're like, well, yeah, like I feel like Christians, like that Christians shouldn't judge. But we're going to take a look at Scripture because Scripture has something completely different to say about it. So, um, you know, if we, if we approach if we approach life and we approach the people around us, and, and if you think about, like I said, the conversation we've been having for the last couple of weeks, and this idea of having hard conversations with people that we love, like, there's got to be some judging that takes place in order for you to determine that a conversation needs to, be, needs to be had. And so refusing to make judgments 
or call sin, sin is not what Jesus calls us to. See, Jesus didn't say judge not, period. And if we, if we think about like how the world really quotes that verse, it's with an exclamation point, right? Judge not. So it's not, it, that, that verse is not judge not, period, or judge not, exclamation point. That verse is judge not, comma, Okay, and so we got to look at what, what comes along behind the, behind the comma. So uh, in the context of Matthew 7, it isn't a prohibition against judging. It's a stern warning against judging improperly. That's exactly what it is. It's not a prohibition, but we want to make sure that we're judging the way in which God has called us to. But we've got to make sure that we're judging according to what Scripture to what scripture teaches and so we're going to talk about the who and the how we're going to talk about because what we learn uh, and we're going to look at the passage in Matthew chapter 7 where you know judge not comes from but if you look at that Jesus tells us both who and how to judge and so we're going to learn like he doesn't say don't judge but don't judge comma and then he leads into this conversation about who and how we're called to judge as Christians and so here's the question. I wrestled through a lot of questions as I was preparing for this. But here's, here's the question. I, I just was pondering, like, why do, why do you think so many people, um, so many think Jesus that doesn't want us to, to judge? Why do you think so many people don't, like, they approach it like Jesus doesn't want us to, to judge? And I think there's multiple reasons. Uh, I think... Um, a couple of the main reasons, I think one is that um, they, there's this failure to read on, okay? So they just, it's just judge not, and we don't want to read past the comma and, and what is following in Matthew chapter 7. And, and um, you know, we, I think because we do that because we want to believe what we want to be true, okay? We, like we've talked about for the last couple weeks on Sunday morning, and I mentioned it this week. It's, it's uncomfortable to be on the receiving end of being judged. Agree? It, it's, it's painful. It, sometimes it's shameful. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Like, it's hard. Let's just be honest. And, and we talked about that this past Sunday. Like, if we're going to be honest, like, it's not fun. It's not fun. And so, like, judge not, that sounds good. That means I don't ever have to be judged. And that means that I don't ever have to enter into difficult conversations. I don't, it's way easier to see people doing what I know is going to cause them harm and everyone else around them harm. But it's just easier to say, oh, the Bible says judge not. And I can just stick my head in the sand or I can look the other way and I can go on and I don't have to jeopardize the relationship or the friendship or I don't have to do anything. I can just, you see what I'm saying? And so like we want to believe certain things because it's, because it's oftentimes easier. Or number two, there's a tendency to filter Scripture through the modern day culture. Now what do I mean by that? See, what we should be doing is we should, we should filter the modern day culture through Scripture. But what happens is, a lot of times, is we, we filter Scripture through the modern day culture. And so we look at what's going on in the culture around us and like things are different than they were back in biblical times. And so it's just a different time and it's a different world. And so what we do is we look around and then we like to explain and try to make scripture fit into our culture. 
And we can't do that. What we've got to do is look at what Scripture says, what Scripture teaches, and then we filter the culture through that. Okay, we can't get, we can't get, can't get it backwards, or we'll get ourselves in all kinds, of, all kinds of trouble. So let's talk about what I think is um, what lends to this in our culture today. This idea that judging, you know, judge not, that judging is wrong. You should not judge at any cost for any reason whatsoever. And I think it has to do with tolerance. I think it has to do with the tolerance of our culture. Now, this isn't, this isn't the definition of tolerance. This is my definition of tolerance and where we are today. Here, here's what I think. I think, that, um, I think that tolerance has even changed over the last five to ten years. Um, so, you know, I, I labeled it as affirming everyone is right no matter what they believe or what they do, which, you know, everybody can't be right because if everybody's right, there's going to be some opposing beliefs. And, and so, like, everybody can't, be, everybody can't be right. But used to, it was just like, okay, tolerance meant just allowing people to think and believe differently than us. Okay, I, I can get on board with that. Like, I, I don't need everybody to believe the way I believe or do... But, but we've moved from that. There has been a, there's been a clear shift from just allowing people to believe what they want to believe. It is now that we have to affirm what other people believe. We have to not only accept what other people believe, but we have to embrace it. And if we don't, then we're labeled as, you know, narrow-minded. We're labeled as hate, you know, as hatred, as, you know, all these different things. And so here's the idea that we now have to not just allow people to believe and, you know, it goes both ways. But the point is, it's not just allowing people to believe, but we have to accept what other people believe as truth. Agreed? I mean, are, are we living in the same world? Are you guys following with me? Like, we have to accept what other people believe is true. And so then these beliefs and other people's beliefs are now imposed upon us. And if we question in any way, if we just raise, the, raise our hand and ask a question, then what happens is, is we're considered to be judging. You're judging. You're arrogant. You're hateful. You're ignorant. You're closed-minded. You're an idiot. <laughs> Maybe. You know what I mean? But, but the point is, is like, you see what I'm saying? And you can't even have a conversation. And here's the, here's the danger in that. Because, because I believe that we have, we're now in this place in culture where we are forbidden from having a different opinion. And mostly with what, what's popular opinion. Mostly what's popular opinion. But we're from forbidden. And here's what happens if you do. If you do raise your hand. If you do have a question. If you do consider possibly having a different view or different belief or different we live in a cancel culture and so if you think different or you just pose a question then what happens well then we just cancel you we just cancel you there's no questions like you're you're done and that's just the world in which we live in okay well okay well how does that impact what we're the conversation that we're we're having tonight well, here's the danger. It, what that teaches us is that 
truth and morality are relative. Right? That truth is based on, like, what you believe is truth and what you believe is truth. And you know what I'm saying? And so, like, there's no universal truth. There's no universal morality. And so how can you judge me because this is true for me? You you see what I'm saying? So this is how we get ourselves into all sorts of, of trouble. And we have to affirm and accept other people's truths. Now, let's just, let's just dive off into the most controversial thing that we possibly could tonight just to illustrate the point and then we'll move forward. But it's just the world in which we live in and specifically with tolerance, I mean, it's the transgender movement, right? And so that's the, I think that's the biggest thing for, you know, right now for today. And, and, and so here's my point. My point is, is that if you, if you believe that somebody if you believe differently from the viewpoint that somebody gets to choose their gender then you're everything i just talked about you're closed-minded you're hateful if you believe that x and y chromosomes determines one sex man you are you are so like you are so mistaken but that's the truth like the truth is, is it doesn't matter what you want me to call you. It doesn't matter what you identify as. Either you're either a male or you're a female, and there's this this definite truth. But no, it's based on what's true for you and what's true for me. And like they can be different. And what I believe in, you, you see what I'm saying? And it's like okay. And then if you raise in, you raise your hand and ask any questions, then all of a sudden you're judging, and so we we get ourselves in all sorts of get ourselves in all sorts of trouble and so we got to be careful that we don't um we don't embrace this tolerance uh culture and uh because what happens is is then that leaves no room for us to judge according to what scripture is the way in which god has called us to to judge because he has called us to judge it doesn't matter what culture says it doesn't it doesn't matter and here's the thing Here's the thing. Jesus did a lot of judging. Okay? Jesus did a lot of judging. And so we want to look to Jesus. He's the perfect example. and He gives a lot of instruction. So he gives us an example. He gives us instruction as to how and which we're to judge. All right? So when we look at Scripture, we can see that Jesus and the Bible give us a set of principles and lenses through which to judge. He's the one who gives us both principles and lenses through which to to judge. The proper action is not to stop judging, but to judge properly according to Scripture. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter seven. Let's look at the first couple verses. We'll we'll just briefly kind of unpack this passage and then we'll pull out some principles of the who and the, the who and the how. All right. Uh, Verse one, judge not, comma that you be not judged for with judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you so what do we see going on here let's let's think as to what's going on so matthew chapter 7 we're in the middle of of what can anybody tell me sermon on the mount okay so we're in the middle of the sermon on the mount so jesus has got a lot of people there's a large group of people that are gathered around him and he's just started preaching and we're we're picking up in the middle of the sermon on the mount 
And, and in the middle, we, we get to this passage where he's talking about judging not. And, and we got to understand that the people that have gathered around Jesus, there's a lot of different people there. There's, a, there's religious leaders, the Pharisees are there, the Sadducees are there. There are people who Jesus has called to follow him. There, there are those people that are there. There are people that have just heard about what's going on with Jesus and they're gathered there. And so you've got everything from Pharisees to just people who are seeking and, and everything in, in between. And they're gathered around. And what Jesus does is he's, um, he's really going to level the... He's going to level the playing field here. Um, but it sounds initially, if you stop and think about it, it sounds almost like a works-based religion. It sounds like, hey, if, if you're hard on them, then I'm going to be hard on you. But if you're nice to people, then I'm going to be nice to you. And so all I need you to do is be nice to people, and then God's going to be nice to you. Is that what he's saying? He's saying like, hey, just, hey, don't be mean to people, and you're good, or I'm going to be mean to you. Be nice to people, and I'm is that what he's saying? Because that really is a works-based religion, but we know that that's not what Jesus is communicating. See, the religious leaders of those days, and they would have been front and center of everybody's mind. So as Jesus is t preaching on the Sermon on the Mountain, he's talking about these things, and, and he's, he's teaching in all these ways that they, people have never heard him teach, ways in which they'd never heard anybody teach before. And, and there, I promise you that the Pharisees would have been front and center on their, on their mind. And the Pharisees were pros at judging. They were pros at judging. I mean, they, everyone had to be up to par on, on their standards. That's, that's the way they approach things. And they're going, around, they're going around judging. And what Jesus is saying is, he's like, hold on. You need to stop and think about the fact that you're going to be judged. The same way you're judging other people, this, this, this measure, like this standard that's beyond anybody being able to measure up to, that's the same standard that you're going to be judged by. He's speaking to the religious leaders. He's, he's making it a level playing field for everybody that's listening to this, to this message. And so this standard is beyond being able to live up to. And he's like, you're right, but guess what? You're going to be measured by the same standard. Okay, so now that there's a level playing field, he's like, everyone's going to stand before God. None are beyond judgment, including the most religious person here. Okay, verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Can we stop for just a minute and picture this? Like, just stop. Sometimes I read scripture and I just get to laughing by myself. Because this is comical. Like, stop and think about it. This, this, this is 100% comical. You know, Jesus would teach in hyperboles all the time, so he would exaggerate a point to dry and, you know, drive home a point. But picture... Now, you're talking about a log in somebody's eye, or just think about it like a two-by-four versus some sawdust, okay? Just a speck of sawdust. And you got this guy who's got a two-by-four sticking out of his eye trying to dig sawdust out of somebody else's eye. Like, that's funny. That is funny. Imagine you're going in for surgery, and the doctor comes in, and there's a two-by-four sticking out of his eye, and he's like, hey, no worries, I got you. And you're like, um... 
I got some, I got questions. You know what I mean? Like, this is a problem. But essentially, that's what's happening. It's like, you, you're going to have to do surgery to get the sawdust out of somebody else's eye. But here's this guy with a two-by-four sticking out of his eye. Like, that's funny. And so Jesus is making this point. Like, it doesn't make any sense that if you're going to have a log sticking out of your own eye, that you would go attempt to take sawdust out of, out of somebody else's eye. And so, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody touching my eye, period much less if they have a log sticking out of their eye. So, the who and the how to judge. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And, and I would say, you know, looking at this passage, that motive matters. And we've got to evaluate our motive. We've got to look within ourselves and say, okay, is, is my desire whenever I go to judge, when someone goes to judge, uh, is the motive to help or is it to hurt? Is the motive to restore or is the motive to condemn? It, you see what I'm saying? Like the motive matters. The reason for which we're doing it, it really does matter. And for the Pharisees, you know, they were, the, you know, they were considered the morality piece. I mean, they spent their time going around and finding fault in other people, spending all their time pointing out everybody else's flaws, making sure that everybody got it straight and got it right. And, and let's just be honest. That repels people. Maybe you know somebody in your life. Like, all they do is point out the things that you do wrong. Well, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be around them. And so that's clearly not what, what Jesus is talking about, the right way in which we're to, you know, that's a, that's a self-elevating or a self-promoting, the holier-than-thou attitude. See, people were attracted to Jesus. So he's the example. We know that Jesus judged but people were attracted. So we know that this type, of, this type of judgment, it repels people. But that's not who Jesus was in the way in which he judged. So let's just think about some of the... If we're talking about the who and the how, let's, let's start a discussion on, on the how. Here's where we need to begin. Self-examination is a vital part of judging properly. Self-examination is a vital part of judging properly. You know, Jesus isn't saying that you need to be perfect in order to judge properly. That's not, what he's, that's not what he's saying. But we do need to be serious about living for Jesus. We do need to be serious about walking out our faith. If we're going to be serious about loving and caring for and restoring people the way in which God has called us to. And so if you think about the, the speck versus the log, here, here's what I would say. Don't be harder on others than you are on yourself. Because that's not going to win anybody to Christ. That's not going to win anybody to Christ by being harder on others than we are on ourselves. And, and the thing is, is, and I think one of the points that Jesus is making, is we tend to judge others more harshly for lesser versions of our sin. And that's, that's a tendency in, in human nature. So Jesus is speaking against finding fault in everyone but ourselves. Do you hear me? What he's saying is he's speaking against finding fault in everyone but ourselves. And so we've got to do some self-examination. We've got to sincerely look within to, to our own faults and our own failures before we're ready to, you know, to go and point something out in somebody else's life. And I would say this before we move on to number two. Until we are grieved over our own sin, then we are in no position to help anybody else. We are in no position. And so until you are broken, until you're broken over your own sin, 
until you are you you've wept over your own sin like you've you've repented like got down on your face before until you've come face to face and acknowledged and taken responsibility for your own sin then you are in absolutely no position to help anybody else but once we have if that's the posture of our heart where we're continually confessing and repenting our sin and we're really genuinely seeking to walk this out and to live this out then god puts us that's we're now our hearts in a in a right posture a correct posture to go and to lovingly carefully um, go to somebody that we love in correction okay number two of the how our judgment must be both full of grace and truth it's got to be full of both grace and truth listen to what uh, James says in James chapter 5 he says my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whatever he brings back uh, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins we can clearly see the value of judging that we would know when and how to restore the people around you I, I was thinking today about I was thinking about how sensitive the eye is I don't think it's by chance that Jesus chooses nothing's by chance with Jesus so like it's not by chance that he chooses to talk about the eye Think about how sensitive it was. I can remember years ago, I was, uh, I was doing some work. At, I had a lawn business years and years ago, and uh, I was doing some work on my trailer. I was putting some racks on my trailer and getting things together for that. And um, I, I got something in my eye. And it was afternoon, and so I was wrapping things up. I, you know, I got the racks on my trailer. Everything was done. My eye was bothering me all evening, bothering me, bothering me. I go to bed. I slept for like 30 minutes, and I'm laying in bed. Like, I'm telling you, like, I felt like my eye was going to pop out of my head. I mean, it was, I was in some kind of pain. I was in so much pain that at 3 o'clock in the morning, I decided, I'm going to Walmart. Because at that time, it was 24 hours, pre-COVID, right? You know, everything's changed now. But so I go to Walmart. Man, I clear the shelf of everything. Like all these different things. You can flush your eyes out. They had these things. I don't know if they still do, but they had these things like you could suction your eyeball to try and get things out of your eye. I didn't care. I spent like $50 on stuff trying to flush my eye out. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I get home, and i like, man, I'm shooting stuff in there. I'm suctioning stuff out of there. Nothing. Man, It. No, I've taken like... I'm taking pain, like ibuprofen, like it is a nightmare. At 8 o'clock when the doctor's open, I do not call the doctor. I am at the doctor at 8 a.m. I'm like, something is going on. I need you to figure out what's going on. Well, what had happened is I had, uh, you know, I never made this mistake again. You know, the whole wear safety glasses, you know, men are hard-headed. We usually have to learn the hard way. Uh, I was down underneath my my trailer and I got a piece of metal in my eye now I don't know if you know what happens when you get metal in your eye but I do it fuses to your eyeball yeah and the only way that they can get it out is basically to drill it up the eye is very sensitive and so they were kind enough to put me through all kinds of pain now it didn't hurt they deadened it when they did it but now I got like a hole in my eye. And so now I'm miserable again. You know, for, it was days before I got to feeling any better. But, but here's what they didn't do whenever they came in. They didn't come in with a hammer and a chisel. 
That, that's not how, you know, the doctor came in and said, okay, we're going to take care of this. And he comes in, he's got a log sticking out of his eye, and he's got a hammer. That's not how it went down. Like, he came in, and they took great care. They told me exactly what was going to happen and the way in which they were going to do it and how follow-up was going to be and all the things that we needed to do to, to gently take care of what needed to, what needed to take place. So, because that's how we care for people when they're in need, when we've got to go to them and have conversations. That's why in Galatians chapter 6 says, Brother, if anyone is in, caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in what? A spirit of gentleness. A spirit of gentleness. Like there's a way in which we're called to restore. We don't go in and just, you know, just drop the hammer on them. It's grace and truth. And so if we withhold truth, that's dangerous. If we withhold grace, that's dangerous. And so it's, it's both grace and truth. Okay? Number three. Don't judge if God hasn't spoken clearly. Don't judge if God hasn't spoken clearly. Our judgments must match God's judgments. Does that, does that make sense? Well, I guess the way I would say this is don't make a big deal out of something that God doesn't make a big deal out of. That, that's pretty simple. Like if, if, if it, it's not a big deal to God, and, and, and again, you know, we've been harping on some of this over and over again. We've, we've seen this come up the last several weeks, but, you know, it's not about our personal convictions, the things that we deem that's, that are important. It's about what Scripture teaches to be important. And so there are things in our life that by, the, the Bible gives us freedom for or things that, you know, are less clear. I think Tony talked, he's mentioned a couple times, he mentioned a couple weeks on Wednesday night and again on Sunday morning. And so, like I said, it's just like these things, it's a recurring thing that keeps coming up. And so he mentioned, uh, he mentioned putting our kids in school. And so some people choose to homeschool, some people choose to send their kids to private school, and some people choose to send their kids to public school. The Bible's it gives, it gives us freedom to do what we think is best for our children and our, for our families. And so it's not about our personal convictions. I would say another thing is that is where the Bible talks about um, our bodies being a temple of the living God and how we're to care for, our, care for our bodies. So, you know, technically that passage is talking about temple prostitutes. We don't really have any of that going on today. But, you know, like if you want to, if you see it as like, okay, well, I'm going to eat organic. I'm going to, you know, stay away from the Twinkies. I'm going to go to the gym. You, you see what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to do this so I don't have to go to the gym. But the, but the point is, is like there's freedom. And so the Bible, there are going to be things that the Bible's less clear on. But there are things that the Bible is black and white on. It's not like um, God accidentally left something out of the Bible. It wasn't, there are things, it's, it's not a mistake that, that there's things that he doesn't make a big deal about. God, I thought about this. God doesn't, he wasn't rushing to meet the publisher's deadline. He's like, we got to get this thing done. He's not sitting up in heaven going, man, if we just had a different editor, everything that we really wanted, he's looking at Jesus going, you know, everything we really wanted would have been in there, but you picked, that's not what's, that's not what happened. Like everything God intended to be in scripture is in scripture. And, and we can't make a big deal out of the things that just aren't a big deal. And we can't go around adding rules and regulations and standards that aren't there. We can't do that. And I would say this. 
over the years of being in ministry, I would say that most often when people get bent out of shape about something, when people have a complaint about something around here, when people send an email or make a phone call or go talking around to other people, most of the time it's gray area stuff. It's gray area stuff. It's not black and white. It's not, hey, are we sticking to the, the authority of Scripture as we approach and handle everything here at this church? No, it's gray area stuff. It's not black and white. And so we got to be careful that we don't get, we don't get things out of, out of order there. All right? What about the who? What about the who? We should never judge non-Christians by Christian standards. I want to I park here for just a little bit because I think this is extremely important. And I think that most people make this mistake um, with good intentions. Like it, it's actually good intentions. And I think what usually happens is it's an attempt to stand for righteousness. And a lot of people will make this stand for what they believe to be righteousness. But what we do, if, if we're judging non-Christians by Christian standards, what we're doing is we're getting the cart before the horse. Okay? It's completely out of order. I was thinking today, um, I was thinking today how, um, let's just imagine you're, you're at work. Now, uh, Tim, Georgian isn't here tonight. John is sick, but I was thinking. So D Tim coaches the boys' basketball team at CCA. So let's just imagine you're at work and Tim comes in. You're sitting, I don't know, maybe you have an office desk, um, an office job. You're sitting at your desk. And Tim comes in and says, okay. And he hands you a basketball. He's like, here you go. Now, here's the deal. If you're going to get up and go anywhere, you have to dribble this. If you're not dribbling, it's traveling. And if you stop dribbling, that means you have to shoot before you can pick up the ball again and start dribbling. And you're like, what are you talking about? He's like, got it. Okay. And so you're like, what the heck is going on? And a few minutes later, you're like, I'm going to get some coffee. And you get up and you start to walk away. And Tim's sitting there with the whistle. And he blows the whistle. What are you doing? Traveling. Pick up the ball. You got to dribble if you're going anywhere. You're like, hold on. I, why are you trying to put these things on me? I didn't sign. Like, I never came to CCA. I didn't try out for your basketball team. I didn't say that I wanted to be a basketball player. I didn't say that I wanted to, you, you see what I'm saying? But why are you imposing these rules on me that I never signed up for? Like, I'm just trying to go get a cup of coffee. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's so ridiculous to think that, hey, unbelievers, they didn't sign up for the things that you and I signed up for. So why are we going to impose those onto onto other people so we got to be very careful that we don't impose these things on on unbelievers um i had a uh i was thinking about this today too i was thinking about how um i was discipling a, a, a group of guys um a while back and we were sitting around we were having a conversation and uh, and it was one of those moments where it really was good intentions they're like yeah whenever some like i don't let people cuss around me and i'm like okay well Let's talk about that. You know what I mean? Because like I, I like I, like when I'm discipling people, I like to ask a lot of questions. You know what I mean? So like, let's just have a conversation. And I start asking questions like, yeah, I'm just making sure you know, and da 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 da, and they're going through this whole thing, and I'm like, okay, well that's um that's awesome. So you so what you've done is you've got people they behave better around you, and they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, so let's do this. 
um, since we're, you know, we're discipling, this is discipleship, uh, I was handed on the Bible and I said, so show me in the Bible where it says to do that. Now in our mind, it makes complete sense. Like we're doing something good. Like it's a stand for righteousness. But show me in the Bible. And I would say to you tonight, show me in the Bible where it says to do that. And let me answer the question for you. You won't find it because it doesn't say to do that. And we got to be careful. We got to be careful. Actually, what the Bible says is it specifically forbids us from judging non Christians by Christian standards. You hear me? It specifically forbids us from doing that. Listen to what it, and it's on your hand out there, but let's just read, uh, let's just read this passage in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, starting in verse 9, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers and idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reveler, a drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Verse 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Who would outsiders be? Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to Christians. So who would he be talking about? Non-Christians, right? Unbelievers. He said, for whatever, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? He says, God judges those who are outside. So the Bible's pretty clear that it's not our job to go around imposing our standards on people who haven't signed up for, signed up for that. And here's the, here's the danger. The danger is, is that we would successfully convince non-Christians to live by our standards. That, that's a danger because what we're communicating, this is what we're communicating, that God is pleased with you because of your behavior. You're not cussing, so God is pleased with you. And so what we end up having, listen to what I'm saying, what we end up having is we end up populating hell with nicer, more moral people. That's what happens. And we convince them that, hey, you're behaving better, so you're good because you've you're now abiding by these standards. You're living by this, this rule. You're, you're doing what I'm saying. Look, people do not need to behave better. People need Jesus Christ. And so if we point them towards behaving better without pointing them towards a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we are sending them in a direction that is, is very, very dangerous. And so it doesn't mean that we can't call sin, sin, that we can't take a stand for righteousness. But we leave the judgment and the standards of God, we leave that to, to Him. And we point people to Christ, to a relationship with Him, where change, real tra change and transformation takes place. Okay? And so we can't impose those things on unbelievers. And I'm just telling you, you find me a place where it says to do that, and I'll, I'll start doing it. But it's, I, haven't, I haven't found it. All right? Number two of the who. Number two of the who. Judgment is reserved for the household of faith. Judgment is reserved. So how, how do we know that? If you look at um, this passage right there that I just read in 1 Corinthians, if you look at verse 12, it says, 
For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So who are you to judge? Those inside the church, the, the family of God, the people of God. If you look back at the passage in, uh, in Matthew, what you'll find is in verse, uh, let's see, Matthew 7 verse 3 says, Why do you seek the speck that is in your what? In your, in your brother's eye. If you look down in verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so judgment is meant to be done within the household of faith. That we're to judge one another, to, to help each other to stay on path, to live the life in which we were created for. Like we're called to, to do that, to help one another. And not only that, but to discern who is in the household of faith. How are we to know? Well, look, if you look further down in, in chapter 7, um, this isn't, I don't think this is on your handout. Maybe it is, I can't remember. Um, but if you look in chapter 7, starting verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Listen to verse 20. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So you're going to have to do some, some fruit inspection. You're going to have to judge to determine whether or not they're of the household of faith. They're, that's the only way we're going to, we're going to know. So we, we learn by judging fellow Christians Judging fellow Christians should always be to discern and to restore. To discern and to restore. That there would be reconciliation. There, there would be, that there would be restoration. That's what, we, that's what we hope for. And that's what Scripture teaches. That we, we only judge to, to discern and, and to restore. And then we see... That Jesus, the reason why we're called to be both full of, full of both grace and truth is because Jesus was full of both grace and truth. That's, that's why we are to respond in that way. If, if you look at, at John chapter 1, it says, And the Word became flesh, talking about Christ, the living Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of both grace and truth. That's what we're called to do. And I would say that um, all of us are bent towards one, more towards one than the other when it comes to grace and truth. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like I feel like grace comes natural to some people and truth comes natural to some people. And so we really have to work, far, work hard to, to really be a good balance of both of those things. Because uh, some of us in the room, like, you got no problem with truth, right? But, but the problem is, is, is the application. If you go back to the whole passage in, in Galatians 6, Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 
So you see what I'm saying? It's, it's grace and truth. And so some, some of you got no problem just dropping the hammer of truth. It's the grace that you have trouble leaving out. And then some of us in the room, we, we're on the other side of that. And we're, we, got the, we got the grace thing down. Like, I got no problem. We can, you know, conflict, we'll just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll shy away from that. I'm going to show grace and, and give grace 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 and withhold the truth. And so we're really good at showing compassion and showing mercy and showing grace and having a gentle spirit, but we never offer any truth. And so we understand, you see how both of those can be very dangerous? And so it's important. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like whenever, uh, like a lot of times, a lot of mission um, projects or, you know, you can go in and, and they'll come in and it'll just be, it'll just be grace. Hey, we're going to go in and we're going to build this for them or we're going to do this for them. And so we do this thing and then you walk away. There's never any reason. Why are we showing this generosity? Why are we offering this grace? See, the grace is there to open the door for the truth. And so we got to make sure that we, do, that we do both. And so we bring grace with truth. But we also have to be gentle in the way in which we bring the, the truth. And so Jesus was the perfect combination of both of these. And so we both, we all have room to work when it comes to this. We all have, like there's things that we need to just kind of take an inward look and say, okay, this is where I typically lean. I really need to do a better job of showing more compassion, being more gentle. Or I need to be more take a bolder step in sharing what I know to be the truth because the truth is is by by withholding the truth what I'm doing is I'm actually harming them because I'm not telling them the things that they need to hear I'm not telling them the hard things that that they need to hear see like I said it's way easier to do nothing it's way easier to do nothing but God hasn't called us to do nothing like we need one another there are going to be times where we get off track. There are going to be times where we need somebody in our life that loves Jesus deeply and is going to care enough to, to step in and say the hard things that we need to hear. And sometimes that's going to be painful, and sometimes it's going to be embarrassing, and sometimes it's going to be hard to hear those things. But it's necessary that, that the God of the universe cares enough to place somebody in your life and to send you a messenger to say, hey, you're careening towards a cliff. Let's not do this. But there's a way in which we're called to do it. I can tell you what, what is not the way in which we're called to do it is to do nothing. Or to run over who it, whoever it is that, that God has called us to have a conversation with. Here's a, a perfect example of, um, so we just kind of wrap things up. Here's a perfect example of Jesus being the perfect example of both you know, grace and truth. Well, we see, uh, may, maybe you know the story when the woman was caught um, in adultery and she was dragged out before, uh, I mean, there's a crowd of people, Jesus is teaching, she's dragged out in front of everybody and completely humiliated. You know, the, the, the ones, the religious leaders that drug her out in front of everybody, they knew what the punishment was to be according to the law, that she was to be stoned, she was to be put to death. And so they bring her before Jesus, and they're like, okay, well, what do we what do? We do? This woman was caught in the act of adultery. What, what is required? And Jesus is, 
I love Jesus. He's drawing in the dirt. <laughs> just the way he does things. Man, I wish I was as sharp as him. But he just, I don't know, what's he writing in the dirt? I don't know. And then he tells me, he says, okay, well, you who, you know, is without sin, you cast the first stone. You go ahead and take the lead. Whoever here, you know, whoever here doesn't have any sin, then you go ahead. And then what does Scripture say? Scripture says that one by one, they began to walk away. And they, it just, you know, there's a, there's a huge crowd. And then one starts to leave and another starts to leave. And another starts to leave. And next thing you know, it's just Jesus and this woman. It's Jesus and this woman. And he's still drawing in the dirt. And he says to her, he's like, has nobody condemned you? And she said, no, my Lord. And he says, well, neither do I. And then does he just let her leave? Does he just let her go? It's just, it's just grace. No, what does he say? Go and sin no more. It's the perfect, it's the perfect picture of both grace and truth. And if we withhold one or the other, then we're not doing the people in our life any good. They're both extremely necessary. And so it's a, it's a myth that Christians shouldn't judge. It is a, it is a myth. It is a spiritual, urban legend. It is not found in Scripture. As a matter of fact, we're commanded in Scripture to judge. But there's a way in which we're called to judge, and there's a way in which we're not called to judge. So when it comes to Christians, not only can we judge, we should judge. Because we're commanded to judge. But it should only be done like Jesus judged. That's the way in which we're called to, to judge. But we've got to be careful. Remember, who, who, is, who is judgment for? It's not for those outside the household of faith. And, and, and I want to go back as we end our time. I just want to reiterate. Like we've got to be careful not to impose Christian beliefs and morals and standards on non-Christians. That is, that is extremely dangerous. And just think. That Jesus, like people were attracted, the most sinful people were attracted to Christ. And so what we want to do is we want to shine brightly in a, in a dark world. We want those who are far from Jesus to, to be attracted to us so that we can share Jesus, so we can share, share Jesus with them. There's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to judge. One points people to Christ, and one does the opposite. It repels people away from Christ. And so we got to be careful to judge the way in which God has called us to. But it would be foolish to think that, hey, we're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to judge. That's not what Scripture teaches. So, spiritual urban legend number six goes down with flames. All right? Because that's what Scripture teaches. That's what, it's, not what, it's not what the world in which we live in teaches. It's not popular opinion. And like I said, I believe the most quoted, uh, Dale, according to you, I, I believe that the most quoted Bible verse is Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Because it's quoted by everybody. It's quoted by everybody. But let's, let's do it correctly. Let's make sure we're handling it in a way in which honors God and really loves the people around us the way God's called us to love them. So let me pray, and uh, we'll end our time together. Let's pray.
God, thank you so much for, God, thank you for your word and thank you for the example that we have in Christ. And God, we just want to be more like him in everything that we do. God, we want to be able to discern what's going on around us. The only way that's going to happen is if we're judging what's going on. But God, we want to do it in a way that honors you and glorifies you and, and elevates Christ in our situations, in our circumstances. God, we want to we want to be the people you've called us to be and, and to live the way in which you've called us to live. And God, specifically in regards to what we've talked about tonight. And so help us to, God, help us to do that. Sometimes we just need to be reminded, God, that we're, it's not just about standing for righteousness. God, we want to stand for righteousness, but we want to do it in a way that doesn't harm the people around us or, or lead people um, falsely and God we want to we want to we want to be about truth and grace everywhere that we go so we pray that you'd help us to do that thank you again for our time in your word I pray that you just help us to um, take what you've shown us tonight and to walk in obedience in light of that it's in Christ's name we pray amen